Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit carrolltonumc.com. And we hope you enjoy this message. Scripture this morning comes from 2 Peter. It's another one in the series of very short scriptures we're using for this sermon series. So listen carefully. It is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The word of God for us, the people of God, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present redeemer. Amen. So today is week six of seven weeks of the 22 questions that John Wesley would ask those people who were in his clubs, his holy clubs, the, the people he hung out with. They would ask each other to keep each other accountable. And just in case you haven't been here before, we have copies of the questions on the end of the pew. You don't need it for the sermon, but it's a reference that you can take with you later. All 22 questions are there. So today's four questions are these. Number 18, am I proud Number 19, do I thank God that I am not like other people, especially like the Pharisee did, who you remember, who despised the tax collector in the temple? Number 20, is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, or hold a resentment toward, or just flat-out disregard? And if so, what am I doing about it? And number 21, do I grumble or complain constantly? That's in there for New Orleanians. Uh, today's sermon comes with a lot of in advance observations. As some of you may know, next weekend I turn the big 6 0. Which, mom, that's quite a dramatic turn from 1969 when I was, we were members of this church and I was just turning the big 6. But as I got a little older, I've become what I think is a little more observant. And so these observations today, in advance observations, are not in the manner of Seinfeldisms where it's not like, did you ever notice that? I'd like to think that they're a little more profound than that, but maybe they're not. But you can be the judge of that. So here, here's the first one. For example, last week, I'm watching that LSU-Florida State football game, and it struck me that the players on LSU's team, many of which were on the team because of the transfer portal, meaning they came from another school, were availing themselves of an opportunity which had less to do with football and more to do with self-promotion, like the name, image, and likeness money that you can bet, get from being an LSU Tiger football player. So that rather than like a more grassroots-looking effort, like the 75% of players who transferred to Colorado, who despite all the glitz and glamour of their coach, Deion Sanders, they look like they went to Colorado to prove something about football. The LSU team last week seemed less focused on football, and so they dropped passes and they got run over by a team that was far more focused, although I'll contend that last night in the second quarter they seemed to start to get focused. Amen? But it's, it's, it's kind of ironic that that would happen, right? Because the only way a player 
who's playing football for a college is going to make big money as an athlete is if they are really good as a college athlete. And all those players switching schools and losing focus, for some of them, they may lose that small window of opportunity, that narrow window that presents itself for them in their few years they get to attend college. All right, so a second observation. This week, while I'm traveling in Seattle, uh, I was basically traveling by myself, and I, I found myself visiting and even revisiting places that I'm fond of, like the Pike Place Fish Market. You ever been there where they throw the fish? I see hands. With the idea that I don't know when my next trip to Seattle is going to be. I mean, it's pretty far away. I may never visit the place again. So early on the morning after I arrived, I got there Labor Day night, Tuesday morning, like 6 in the morning, crack of dawn, I'm out, and I went to the fish market to watch them throw the fish. And then on Friday, I was back in Seattle early, so, and when the opportunity presented itself, I said, I'm going to go back there. So I decided to visit again with this idea of sort of like, once more before I die, with a built-in parenthetical of just in case. Now, I know that people throwing fish is not exactly the eighth wonder of the world, but for whatever reason, that place makes me, and I think it makes other people, happy. Now, a third observation on top of those first two, and the idea that we should avail ourselves of opportunities that present themselves and not miss those. Last week, I got word that one of my childhood friends, Chuck DeCordy, had passed away from complications related to a heart attack he had had a week before. Now, some of you may have known Chuck. Chuck uh, grew up in Lakeview. We went to Edward Hines together. We went to Christian Brothers together. We would ride our bikes there. Then he went to Jesuit, and then he went on to medical school and became a heart surgeon. Three years ago, Chuck performed a triple bypass on one of my family members. So you don't think about that person passing away at 60 years old from a heart ailment. You figure, he's a heart surgeon. He's got to have some inside information. Of course, we all think we have inside information until, well, it's like that famous boxer once said, until somebody punches you in the mouth and then all your plans go out the window. And so you say, what's all that got to do with the four questions? I'll tell you. I find that today's four questions, am I proud? Do I thank God that I see myself as better than other people? Am I allowing my feelings to keep me segregated from others who I either resent or disregard? And am I a complainer? I find that those four questions beg one additional question, which is not only what am I going to do with these issues if I have them, and I contend we have, most of us have a lot of those, but when, when am I going to do something about them? Because if Chuck was here, we would ask him and he would tell us, you may not have as much time as you think to address these items. Now, I think the lead-off question in the group of four about pride really sets the tone for whether we are in a proper state to address any of these shortcomings. Start today with today's scripture, the one-liner from Peter, where he says, God's divine power has given us everything we need, everything, for a godly life. In other words, it's not us. It's God. That knowledge alone should knock out all of human pride, but we know that historically it has not. And pride has been pointed up in Scripture from the beginning of Scripture as being a major problem. We all know this verse from Proverbs 18, I think. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. The version of the Bible, the message, says it like this. Pride first, then the crash. But humility is a precursor to honor. 
The prophet Jeremiah, also in the Old Testament, says, you know what, people? You people should boast, but not about yourselves. He says in Jeremiah 9, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or their strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, God, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. And even Jesus talks about it in Mark 7. He lists arrogance and pride as one of the major items that can defile an individual. He says this, what comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is with, from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person. The fact that Jesus would put pride or arrogance in that awful list that he gave us should be fair warning to us about the dangers of being prideful. And then finally, Paul brings it all home in Philippians 2. He discusses about how Jesus avoided pride completely and exuded total humility. He says this, Paul says, we should have the same mindset as Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Think about that. Did not consider the fact that he was equal to God as something he should use to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place. I'll suggest to you that if our answer to the question today, the first question, am I proud, is in the affirmative, that's more than likely the source of any answers that you have that are also in the affirmative to the other three questions. Do I think I'm better than other people? Do I resent or disregard other people? Am I a complainer? There's one particular thing that the church is supposed to be doing, and I pray that we are doing it here, and it's this. It's to continue to remind each other that it's not about us. It's about God. Life is about God and honoring God. The church is about learning about God and worshiping God. And everything we have comes from God. The point of all that is to bring about a proper humility. Not self-hatred or self-loathing, but a humbleness that comes from being a child of God so that we can truly reach other people and disciple them about Jesus. And in order to do that, that requires that we don't consider ourselves to be better than them. We don't resent or disregard other people. And we certainly don't complain to other people about our circumstances. Which gets us back to the question of when. When are we going to address those issues and be all that we can be as Christians? You know, the matter of salvation in the Bible is always one of particular urgency, not just for my own salvation, but for the salvation of other people whom we might reach for Jesus. May I humbly suggest to you that we ought to address these questions today, the four of them, with that same sort of urgency. It may indeed be the case, depending on the completely unknown number of days that each of us has left on this earth, 
that we are in a position to right these wrongs just once more before we die. Let us pray. Lord, we're to make the most of every opportunity you give us. Help us, Lord, never to turn away from that concept, never to turn away from you, to always be in communication with you, Lord, so that we are in a position when we have the wrongs that need to be righted to listen to your voice, the still strong power in your voice and your words of scripture, Lord, that help get us out of ourselves and into a life that emulates Jesus and brings us closer to him and into salvation. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, and our Savior. Amen.